Are you in perfect peace tonight? Did you walk in here with fear? Did you walk in here worried about tomorrow? What's the, what's the headline tomorrow going to be? What's the governor going to say tomorrow? What's going to happen? You know, what's the, are you worried? God's word for you today is peace. Be still. Trust him. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Zach, welcome to Refuge. It's great to see you guys. You guys made it out here amidst the craziness that is out there. Um, so I was originally scheduled to teach tonight and um, in John, and just with everything that's kind of been going on, everybody is kind of like, it's on your mind. You've been looking at memes about it. You've been looking at Instagram and stuff and, you know, and watching what the governor's saying and trying not to touch your face with your hands and, you know, washing your hands more. And so I'm just like, you know, the Lord kind of really spoke to me in this passage. So we're going to kind of take a little break from John. And if you guys could turn to uh, Mark chapter four, and um, we'll do a short little study in this. The Lord kind of changed last minute for me, so... Um, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 38. We'll read it together, and then we'll pray. Let's all stand together as we read this, as we read God's word. Let's stand together. It says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling with water. Verse 38, but Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and the disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Let's pray. Lord, We truly want to offer this time to you, God. We're so thankful that we can come here together and we can gather and we can hear your word and we can be encouraged. And Lord, I know sometimes just watching the news can be so discouraging, so disheartening, Father. We can be left with fear. We can be left um, losing our faith, God, and, and, and our trust. And so we pray that tonight that you would encourage us, God, that you would strengthen our faith. Lord, that we would leave here knowing how great of a God you are and the God that we serve and that you're on our side, Father. And and so we just trust you. We want to commit tonight to you and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for standing. So God kind of changed my um, message last minute to this passage in Mark chapter 4, just amidst everything that's happening. And I kind of just figured, you know what, we're, like I said before, we're all thinking about it. Everyone's been talking about it. You know, and I think it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be right to not address what's going on currently and what does God's word have to say about this, you know? Um, what does God have to say about what's happening around in our world, you know? Um, I'll kind of get it more into it at the end of the, of the study, but, you know, a lot of this stuff is prophesied in the Bible. You know, uh, Jesus said that in the end times, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, great storms and even pestilence and famines. And these things would be signs of the time that Jesus is coming again soon. You know, we as Christians, that's what we believe. We believe that Jesus 
didn't just die on a cross and ascend to heaven and just leave us on our own here to just journey life by ourselves, but he's coming back for his church. He's coming back for those that he loves to set his kingdom back as it was back in Genesis where Adam and Eve walked with God and there was no sin and, it was, and earth was perfect. Everything was beautiful. Everything was, there's no sin, no death, no anything bad, no tears, no, no crying. And God is coming to restore that again. And this is just, I mean, what we're seeing today in the news is the fulfillment, really, of that prophecy. And so, in this passage, in Mark, um, I really believe God gave to us for tonight, um, to kind of give you a little bit of backstory of what's happening here, Jesus had just, he's, he's been in the middle of his ministry, and he had just preached the Sermon on the Mount. You can read a more extensive version of what that sermon was, the best sermon ever preached. Um, you can find it in, in um, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Three chapters long, a great sermon that Jesus gives for his disciples. And so after this sermon, Jesus, as he taught this up on um, the mount, uh, they nickname it the Mount of Beatitudes, but up on the mount that overlooked the Sea of Galilee, he told his disciples, all right, we're going to go to the other side. Okay, And if you've never been to Israel, this sea was not actually a, a sea. It's, it's, a, it's more of like an exaggerated lake, a really large lake. And if you've ever been to like the, the Great Lakes up north and stuff, you know how crazy big lakes can be where you can't even see the other side. And that's what the Sea of Galilee is like. I've, me and Andrew have been there. Awesome, super great. If you get the chance to go to Israel, um, go there. I think it's postponed. <laughs> everything's, go, everything's dying. Um, if you get the chance to go there, it's awesome. Go there. It's great. But so what's crazy is... Um, as, actually, side story, as we're on this, this boat, so when me and Andrew, not just me and Andrew, it wasn't just like a date with, for me, <laughs> but um, the tour group, we were all on this, on this like boat, and we went out on the sea, and I, I got to lead worship, and John got to give a little Bible study about the Sea of Galilee, you know, and like stuff, and like while we were on the sea, this storm came out of nowhere, and seriously, our boat was like tossing and rocking back and forth. I had to like do like a power stance just to sing worship because like I was like trying to gain stability, you know, and like everyone was like, oh, like kind of like worried about getting seasick and people were kind of freaking out. I think we had to end like the cruise a little bit early because of that storm. All in all to say, storms happen on this lake and they get pretty crazy. And here we see the disciples encounter a storm. You know, and the first thing that I notice is storms are common. They're not, you know, rare. They're things that happen almost daily. And I think even more on a, on a figurative sense, storms in our life are something that we should expect, whether you're a believer in Christ or you're not. You know, I, I, a good friend of mine once told me, you know, just because you gave your life to Christ doesn't mean your life is going to be easy. <laughs> doesn't mean your life is going to be comfort after that. We experience storms. We experience real storms, like even today we experience in the skies, rain, thunder, and stuff. But even storms throughout the world, like we're seeing around what's going on in the news, um, literal and figurative storms are common occurrences. But what I hope to leave with you guys today is three reasons to be still in the storm. Because if there's one thing that a storm can cause, and we see it in the disciples here, is it causes fear. It causes fear, causes loss of faith hopelessness. And so what I hope what you guys get from today is we're going to look at three reasons in the story of, of why to be still or how to be still in the storm. 
in the storm. And so here, right, right when we pick it up in verse 35, we see that when evening had come, so the sun was setting, Jesus told the disciples, let's go to the other side, let's get in this boat. And the disciples, they left the shore onto the sea with the promise of God, a promise from Jesus. He said, let us go to the other side, right? We see it's there in red, if you have red letter Bible. It means Jesus said it. You know, and for us as Christians, as believers, we also have promises to hang on to during difficulties, during trials in our life, during confusion, during, during fear, during times of depression, during hardship, during tragedy, during loss. We have promises to hang on. We, I would even stretch to say that we have more than, the, than these disciples had promises to hang on because they didn't have the entirety of Scripture. But we, what we have, some of you in your hands, is the entirety of God's promises towards us in Scripture, on your phone. We have it there with us. And this is the first reason of why we can be um, still in the storm. The first reason is we have the promise, the promises of God towards us in his word. The reason why we can be still, why we don't need to fear about what's going on around this world or even what's happening personally in our own lives is because of the promises of God. We can be still. And maybe you're looking at me and you're like, well, I can't really think of any promises right now. That's okay. I have a couple of them written right here for you. Some Old Testament ones, Exodus 14, verse 14. This is a great verse to memorize or underline. It, it says here, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Isn't that an awesome promise from God towards us today? God fights for us. We only need to be still. Another OT promise here in Isaiah 54.10. This is another great one. It says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. That's a beautiful promise from God that though the world around us might seem like it's crumbling down, that God's compassion, his love for us doesn't crumble or doesn't fade like the things we experience here on earth. That his covenant of peace, his unfailing love will never be shaken towards us. It's constant. And one last one, I mean, there's tons of them in the Bible. I would encourage you to look, at, look through some of them on your own. But one last one in Romans 8.28, maybe you know this one. It says in Romans 8.28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. It's a great verse right there. All things work together for good. You know, our pastor said it last night at um, our midweek service. It's not just, it doesn't just say some things or most things in your life work out for good. But if you're a child of God, God is so sovereign over our life and in control that he even works everything, the good, the bad, the mistakes, the sin, the wrong turns you took in life, he redeems it all and works it for our good. So awesome. So we can be still today in the midst of what's the craziness of what's happening around us. We can be still today because we have his word. We have his word. I love what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation because it says it's so sweet. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ 
with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. In other words, his promises towards us are yes, and we respond amen. When we read a promise of God, he in heaven is looking down and saying, yes, my, my child, my son, my daughter, that is true for you. And we respond glorifying God saying, amen, amen, which, which is just a fancy Christianese word of saying, let it be done. Yes, Lord, let it be so. Yes, we agree. He's so, it's, it's so cool. that I don't know if you ever thought about that. When you're reading your Bible, when you're reading your Bible, maybe in your own devotional time, when you're reading it right now, when you read a promise of God, God's looking down and he's saying, yes, that's true for you. And we respond in our hearts, yeah, amen, Lord. Amen, that is true. Amen. We'll look at verse 37 back in our story. So our first reason to be still was his promises. Verse 37 says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. So here we see the storm starting to make its its way and, and terrify the disciples. It says that the boat was already filling with water. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I love this passage right here. So as the wind is blowing on this boat and the waves are rising and casting into this inside onto the disciples, where do we find Jesus? He's asleep on a pillow in the boat. It's so like, what? He's asleep? He's asleep during this time of crisis, during this time of confusion, of fear for the disciples. Jesus is asleep. And here we find our second reason why we can be still in the storm is, first one was his promises towards us. The second one, his presence. Okay, Yes, Jesus was asleep, but he was in the boat with the disciples. Friends, I want to encourage you today that Jesus is in your boat today. He is with you. He is in the storm. What storm rises around you today? What wind howls at you today? Jesus is in your boat. He has not left you. He has not abandoned you. Nor has he decided to take the shortcut route, you know, and let you go through the storm. But he's going to take the scenic route and avoid the storm and just abandon you. He hasn't done that. But rather, his presence is with you. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. There's another promise of God, of, of God's continual presence with us. His presence should encourage us. It should encourage us, especially in times like this, where we can be so overcome with the news. And I mean, if you want to be depressed, just read the news. Read your Apple News app, you know, first thing in the morning. If, that, if you want to start your day off wrong and, and like just be discouraged all day, you know, and I struggle with it, but, you know, Open your news app and let that be the first thing your mind and your soul takes in before you get up. Man, it's so discouraging. It's, it, it can almost feel like, are we alone here? God, where are you? There's tornadoes that are destroying Nashville, Tennessee. There's wars going on all around the world. And there's viruses that are trying to kill us. God, where are you? We could easily agree with these disciples, right, and be like, don't you care that we're perishing? God, don't you care about all of this? Don't you see this? 
Oh, but how comforting it is to read, even in Psalm 23, verse 4, how it says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How beautiful that is. God is not a distant God in pain. He's not absent from tragedy or fear or, or discouragement or depression, but God rather presses in to us. His word tells us that he's near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is not absent when we walk through the valleys. Jesus would even go on to say in Matthew 28, before he ascended into heaven in verse 20, he, he would encourage his disciples and he would say, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, to the end of time. That's a promise from Jesus to us that he's gonna be with us always. So friends, take heart. Jesus is with you. He's beside you. He is with us. His presence is our comfort. We can be still because of that. And so, I mean, to, to me, back in the story, it's so interesting, right? They've, the storm is going around. Verse 38, it says they find Jesus asleep on a pillow while the storm's going on, and they cry out, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And read with me in verse 39, just to the end of this passage, and we'll close with this last one here. In verse 39, it says, And, and Jesus awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus is taking a nap, right? Sleeping on a pillow. I love naps, by the way. <laughs> I just thought about that. I'm like, man, Jesus is taking a nap. Gosh, I need to take a nap. You know, coin phrase of Pastor Andrew, he says, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do in life is take a nap. You know, sometimes that'll save you from a lot of sin, a lot of anger, bitter. Just take a nap. Just sleep on it, bro. Just, just, just take a nap. So Jesus here, you see, he's, he's um, promoting it. He's taking a nap, sleeping on this pillow while chaos is swirling around. Jesus is resting. And I want to kind of talk about this for a quick second. While the storm is raging around, Jesus is resting. He's calm. He's so calm that he's asleep. He's asleep. Was Jesus worried? Was he panicked? Was Jesus fearful? No, he wasn't. With everything that has happened in the world, in the past, and currently that's going on right now, and what will happen in the future, Jesus is not worried or surprised. Take courage in that. That Jesus is not freaking out with us here about COVID-19, <laughs> okay? He's not like, what are we going to do? Oh, okay, let's, let's gather the smartest people and let's, let's figure out another one. He's not trying to plan it out. All right, oh man, Satan really tripped me up with this one. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? He's not stressed out. He's not worried. He's not worried about this. The Bible tells us in, in Isaiah 66, verse 1, and this, this strikes me. This is awesome. Isaiah 66, 1 says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Pfft. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. 
Well, let me tell you what it means. Footstools are often seen as cheap, overlooked pieces of furniture. They're not like the highlight of like when you walk into living spaces. You know, you all heard the jingle in your head, right? Living spaces. Whoever wrote that is a millionaire. Um, Whenever you walk into that or anthropology, you know, or these like really cool looking places that I only know about because of my wife. Um, and you go in there and you're like, and it smells amazing. The candles of, of charcoal and, and, be- and cement and whatever these scents are coming up. Redwood, cedar of, in your, from Yellowstone and all this stuff. And you're like, this is awesome. You know, and you're like, ah, oh, look at this footstool. How much is this footstool to buy, to purchase, so I can bring it to my house and it can be the glory of my living room or my den or my studio apartment or my dorm? No, right? They're seen as like cheap, like overlooked pieces of furniture. You know, actually even in in ancient times in Jewish culture, footstools were even more degraded because feet, Jews hated feet. It 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 was a despicable thing to be near feet. So to have a piece of furniture that held up your feet, like that's like, oh, that's a dirty piece of furniture, okay? You know, maybe some of you out there are like, hey, man, feet are gross. Um, so what does it have to do with the earth being God's footstool? <laughs> well, God rests his feet on the problems of this earth. Like he relaxes in a sense, reclines on that lazy boy, kicks it up, oh, and then there's the earth. All the problems, all your greatest worries, the greatest issues we have faced in humanity are under his feet. Are under his feet. He, he alone is above them all. He's in control. They don't worry him. He doesn't freak out about them. Whether it's wars, future elections, viruses, or even more personal heartbreak that we go through, God is sovereign over it all. And he kicks his feet up and he says, ah, I'm not worried. I'm in control. Don't be worried. I'm in control. I love that. Jesus is asleep. It just kind of reminded me of that. He's asleep during the storm. So they wake Jesus up, right? And they, they tell him, they tell, don't you care? You know, maybe some of you don't raise your hands. Maybe you've said that to God before. <laughs> you know, don't you, maybe you, to your significant other, you've said that. Don't you care what I'm going through? You know, don't you understand? If you would only listen, maybe my wife might say to me because I'm a horrible listener. Um, But they say, don't you care, Jesus, that we're dying? Don't you care that we're perishing? And what's the answer to that? Jesus just stands up and he's like, no. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny? No, he doesn't say that. (laughs) He's like, "Ah, no, I don't care, actually. I'm glad you asked. I've been wanting to tell you guys for a while. I've been trying to kick you off of my tails. You've been following me this whole time. No, he doesn't say that. (laughs) Thank God he doesn't say that. He cares. Of course he cares. Of course he cares. You know, Jesus would say that not a sparrow falls from the ground, and doesn't God take notice of that? And he would go on to say, even the hairs on your head are numbered. Jesus cares about you. And then he would go on to say, aren't you more of value than the sparrows? I mean, if God notices when a bird dies, something that is so easily overlooked in life, as you're driving, you're like, oh, you know, maybe, like, Andrew, you just bat them out of the tree, <laughs> you know, and you're like, there, notice that, God, Pah! you know, and you're like, you know, or, you know, you're driving out, and the crow flies a little too low, you're like, oh, don't look back, honey, <laughs> you know, and then when you drop and check your, your front and make sure you're clean, you're clear, God notices even the, even the smallest creatures that pass away, as, as funny as that might be, 
um, the, the smallest creatures that pass away, that die, God sees them. And God encourages us. Jesus encourages us and says, we're more valuable than them. God knows. Of course God cares. Of course Jesus cared about his disciples. They had simply just lost their faith in him, their trust in him, right? Jesus had said before, if you look in verse 35, right, what did he say? We're going to the other side. He gave them that word, but they had lost their faith, their trust. Guys, when we take our eyes off of the word and we start to put them on the news and we put them on our friends, our family, other people, we can too lose our faith. We can get freaked out. We can start to be like, what's going on? I need to buy all the toilet paper in the world and just wrap myself in it and, ah, oh, you know, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, you, you start to freak out, rush to Costco, rush to, you know, wherever it is. We start to get scared, okay? And I'm not saying don't be wise, okay? Be wise. Wash your hands, people. That's a word from the Lord to someone today, right? James 4, 8. Wash your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands. That's God. You know, we should be wise. We should, we should you know, whatever they tell us to do, we should obey that and, sh- and should follow that. But we shouldn't be struck with fear and panic. Where is your faith? Has it, has you, have you taken your eyes off of God's promises? When was the last time you read his word? When was the last time you spent time in his presence instead of looking at the news or being concerned with our own plans and dreams and goals? So the disciples have, they, they, they didn't, Jesus didn't stop caring. They just lost their faith in him. They, they weren't trusting in him anymore. They let fear overcome their faith. And here we're going to see the third reason why we can be still in the storm. First was his promises. Um, second was his presence in the boat with us. And third, we see his power, his power as we see that Jesus wakes up, and what does he do? He rebukes the wind and the sea. And I love it. He says, peace, be still. Like, be quiet. Like, you know, I won't say it. My grandma used to say it in Spanish, and she can do it so much better. You know, maybe I would, cállate. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, you know, cállate, niños. You know, <laughs> like, you know, be quiet, hush, be still. He treats them like they're, you know, it's like it's his pet. He's like, ah, get out of here, you know. And what happens? I mean, that must have been a sight to see. The wind, the waves just, just hush, and it's stillness. The power of his words to calm the storm. To Jesus, this storm was not an issue worth losing sleep over. (laughs) He didn't lose sleep over it. He knew, just as the disciples would later confess in verse 41, as you can see, that even the wind and the sea obey him. He knew that all along. He wasn't stressed, wasn't losing sleep over it. He knew the sea, the sea and the wind all obey me. You know, my uh, Chris Wimberly, was, I was talking to him about this, and he shared this with me, and I have to say this. He's a junior high pastor, so this might sound a little junior high, but he said this, and it's so good. So Jesus was asleep on the pillow, right? Well, Jesus stood up, and he projected that pillow onto the storm. He said, take a nap, and, this, and the storm took a nap. Isn't that awesome? That's, such, that's so cool. He told the storm, take a nap. I was sleeping, now you need to sleep. You need to hush. You need to be quiet. You need to be still. And it obeyed the power in his word. You know, I think that he rebukes the wind and the waves, but then later, right, he turns to the disciples and he rebukes them. And he says, right, he says later um, in um, verse 40, he says, why were you so afraid? 
Have you still no faith? Have you no trust in him? His power is the third reason why we can be still in the storm. You know, I, I really think that um, I really think that when Jesus said, peace be still, he wasn't just speaking to the storm, but he was speaking to the hearts of his disciples. He was saying to them, peace, be still, guys. He was saying it out loud so they heard it. And I think some of us even, and myself, need to hear that today. Peace, be still. Don't worry. God is on the throne. The earth is his footstool. Nothing is above him. Nothing stresses him out. Nothing surprises God. Everything that happens in here, he works it out for, his, for our good and for his glory. How? I have no idea. And I will destroy myself trying to figure that out. And I want to give you guys better advice. Don't try to figure it out. Just trust. Rest. Take a nap. <laughs> Put that pillow up. The pillow of his word. Rest in his promises. Fall asleep on that. Trust God. So his promises his presence, and his power are the three reasons why we should be still whatever storm we face, whether internally, externally, out in this life. Those are the three reasons why we should be still. And lastly, I want to leave you with this last fourth thing, okay? And it's the effect of all of this. When you trust in his promises, when you trust in his presence, he's with you, and when you trust um, in his power, that he's sovereign over it all, the fourth, effect, the fourth thing is the effect of peace. Peace floods your life, floods your mind, floods your heart. He says to the wind and waves and to the disciples, right, peace, peace. That's the effect of trusting in these three, in, in who Jesus is really, his word, his, prom, his presence, and his promise, or his power, sorry. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says that you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Are you in perfect peace tonight? Did you walk in here with fear? Did you walk in here worried about tomorrow? What's the, what's the headline tomorrow going to be? What's the governor going to say tomorrow? What's going to happen? You know, what's the, are you worried? God's word for you today is peace. Be still. Trust him. So I pray that our faith would be encouraged and strengthened today. That we would listen, we would read, and we would remind ourselves of God's promises towards us. That we would recognize the truth of God's presence, that he's always with us, no matter what we're facing in life, wherever we go. And that we would trust his power above every storm in our heart. Trust his power above every future election his power above every war, above every virus, above every future scary thing that you're worried about. He is still sovereign and more powerful and above it all. And when we let our faith overcome fear, then we truly experience his peace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for that, God. Truly, in your presence, Lord, there is the absence of fear. There is the absence of of worry, of anxiety. In your presence, Lord, your word says, rather there's fullness of joy. There's pleasures evermore. Lord, we're stilled in your presence. 
we're quieted by your love towards us, God. And so I just pray for everyone here tonight that whatever state they might have walked in, that they would trust you, Lord, and that there's none like you, God, that you would draw them, Lord, into your word, into your promises, and we, they would be reminded, God, that they're not alone. They're not alone in this and that you're powerful, Lord, to handle it. You're powerful to handle the giant, to handle the storm, to handle the raging sea, to handle this virus even, God. You are more powerful, Lord, and we just trust your sovereignty. We look to you, God. Let our faith be encouraged tonight, Lord. Help us not to leave here fearful, but instead to leave here full of faith strengthened in our inner man, in our innermost person. We love you, Lord. And I just pray, God, that as we end with worship, as we close, that we would use this time even just to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. That we would draw near to you and that you would draw near to our hearts, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we surrender. Minister in this room like only you can. Speak to our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.